I do have something to say that I do feel like God has thrown my heart, so I'll ask you if you don't mind. I don't understand why you would. Turn your Bibles to First Chronicles chapter 28, First Chronicles chapter 28, because I want to share with you as briefly as I can this message that God has implanted on my heart that I entitled Passing on a Vision. Uh, Passing on a Vision. And as you turn your Bibles to First Chronicles chapter 28, you know, Generations are usually identified by what goes on in that uh, generation's time period uh, that is of significance, that is historically uh, significant. I think about the, the uh, generation of World War One. my grandfather's uh, generation. We think of them as, you know, being that, that uh, strong generation. Uh, and then the World War II generation, uh, you know, the, there was the, the Builder generation, and then the Bridger generation, and then my generation came on the scene in the late 60s and the early 60s, the, the Boomer generation, and then you had the Xers and, and on and on, on from there. You know, in the Bible, there's all kinds of generations, and, um, and, and they're all characterized by how they related to God. I like to think about this, this one generation in particular that comes to my mind. I, the, the generation that lives in infamy. If there ever was an infamous generation, it was a generation that is spoken of throughout the scriptures. You want to pick out a bad boy generation and the people of God, you, you would think about this generation. In fact, they made mention of, I won't turn to, but in, in uh, Psalms 95, You'll find them referred to there. In Psalm 106, you'll find them referred to there. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 through 15, and, and 16 through 19, you'll find that generation referred to there. I think you know which one I'm talking about. We're talking about the generation of Israelites that found themselves in the wilderness following Moses. And you know, consistently, the Scripture refers to that generation as the generation that tested God. The generation that rebelled against God. That's, that's what they're remembered for. That is their claim to fame or infamy, I guess I would say. Each of us in our time should be careful about what type of a name we leave for ourselves. And I want to challenge those in my generation, those of us of the senior generation. I want us to look at First uh, Chronicles 28 and understand that we, have, we stand in a, a very crucial time period, a time period of transition. And that's why I want to talk to you this morning about being a generation known for passing on a vision. But I offer a challenge to all of us in this generation, those of us who are senior adults, I want you to learn from David. You see, King David now is firmly entrenched as the ultimate leader. He's the king of the nation of Israel. And Israel has risen to its seat of power and prominence. David, if you will, <coughs> politically and militarily, is one of the most powerful men in the civilized world at that time. He's on top of his game. And yet, David had one aspiring dream. And that was he wanted to build a temple for God. He wanted to build a house that would house the Ark of the Covenant. He lived in the palace with all of its fine entrapments and niceties and, and, and luxuries, and it, he couldn't stand the fact that the Ark of the Covenant of God was being housed in a tent. And David's dream was to build a temple for Jehovah God. 
And yet, you'll see God didn't allow him that privilege. God had already had other plans for his house of worship. So, as you look with me here in chapter 28, I want you to pick up with me in verse 2. Then King David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people, I have you in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God. And he made, and had made preparations to build it. But God said to me, You shall not build a house for my name, because you have been a man of war and have shed blood. Now I want you to stop there for a second, because you can imagine this must have dashed David's enthusiasm and his hope, all that he looked forward to doing for God. And God says, Nope, David, now that's your plan, but my plan's a little bit different. You won't be the one who will build the house that my presence will be manifested in. In fact, it will be another. And let me say something. David was not disqualified because, well, he was disqualified because of his, his, um, Lifestyle of war. David was a man of war. He was a man of army feats and, and, and uh, campaigns. And God made it clear that he was not to be the man to build the temple. David was not being condemned. Understand this. God wasn't saying to David, listen, because you have been a mighty warrior, I am condemning you. Oh no. Not at all. Because, you see, David was informing the nation of Israel, his son Solomon and all of his sons, through all of the great feats of victory. Now, stop and think about it. From the time that God miraculously enabled David, a shepherd boy, to kill that giant Philistine of the name of Goliath, in one one, uh, great military victory after another, David began to lay a foundation of security for the nation of Israel. Everything that Israel was enjoying at this point, including all of David's family and all the families of Israel, they could attribute to the fact that David was such a mighty man of war. And I want you to know something. A generation that is worth remembering, I believe, is a generation that informs the next generation. I don't believe there was a one in David's household. I don't believe there was a one in the whole palace that didn't know about all the great victories that God had given Israel through David. Beginning, as I said, with Goliath. I believe David was careful to account to all those coming along behind him how Jehovah God, the God of Abraham, had watched over him, had used him miraculously, had taken this fledgling nation of Israel, enabled them to conquer the Philistines, their, their perpetual enemy, if you will, to conquer the Philistines, to conquer the Amalekites, to conquer the Jebusites, and on and on and on. And, and I believe that a part of a great generation is a generation who is careful to inform those who are following in our footsteps of all the great victories that God has won in our lives. And I want to challenge the senior adults this morning to join me in stopping to think about all the victories that we have seen God win. I'm not talking about what we have done. I'm talking about the great things that God has done in our lifetime. Over the years, 
Think about the victories. We've seen souls saved. We've seen marriages healed. We've seen Christians, believers restored. We've seen missions carried out. We've seen hurting lives that have been healed by God's love manifested and expressed through unselfish actions of members of this church. We've seen God do great and wonderful things. Why in the world would we want to keep that to ourselves? I believe that we ought to be a storytelling generation that pulls the new generation, the younger generation, those who are following in our footsteps and says, listen, it's not what we have done. Let us tell you what God has done and how great He is and how faithful He is. So not only are we uh, to be a generation that informs our up-and-coming generation of our past victories, but I believe that a great generation also informs the next generation concerning present blessings. If you look with me there in chapter 28, verse 4, David says, However, see, he found out he wasn't going to build the, the temple for God. He says, However, the Lord God of Israel chose me above all the house of my father to be the king over Israel forever. And there's your first prophetic clue that David has given a hint of the, of the coming of one of his descendants who would be the ultimate ruler. He would rule over all of Israel, not only all of Israel, but he would rule over all the nations of the world. He would rule over all of creation. And of course, you know, I'm speaking of that great descendant, the ultimate descendant of David's uh, bloodline, and that is Jesus Christ, who would be the Messiah. And so David is informing the people, hey, yes, I'm disappointed, but God has chosen me. And God is not only that, he's chosen my son Solomon to build the temple. He could have gone out there and chosen anybody he wanted to supervise the building of this great temple, but he chose my son. I'm blessed. David says, hey, listen, it's not just about the past victory, but I want you to know about the wonderful present blessings that God has continued to bestow upon us and upon me. And so, seeing as I ask you to consider for a moment the many blessings that God has bestowed upon us. Oh, yes, we've had some great times in the past, and God's done some wonderful things as we look back over our younger years. But let me tell you something, even in these golden years, God is still up to something. God is still working in the midst of his, his senior saints. We're blessed, aren't we? We think about we're blessed with the gift of salvation. You want to know what pumps these seniors up? You want to know where their hope and their joy is? You want to know what propels them forward no matter what they face the challenges? I'll tell you what it is. It's knowing that they are born again, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, belong to the family of God. They have a home waiting for them in heaven. Listen, we are blessed. We're not only blessed with the gift of salvation, but we've been set aside as people of God to do a great work in the kingdom of God. Listen, God hasn't hung us up on the hook. God hasn't put us on the shelf. He's still blessing us. We're blessed with the privilege of being able to go to God as Margaret exemplified in the stick. We can talk to the Lord. He'll talk to us. We can commune with Him. We're blessed with the privileges of prayer and the privileges of Bible study and fellowship. And on and on. It's like that old song says, Singers, count your blessings. Hand them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. If there's anything that ought to come from us as a, as a generation to the younger generation who are watching us and following us, they ought to see us not as a grumpy, grumbly old bunch of folks that, you know, are, are bitter and, and resentful of our, our age. No, they ought to see this is the most joyful group of people in the body of Christ because we all 
people understand how it is that God has blessed us. Can I get a senior amen maybe at this point? Are we not blessed? Should our younger generation see and hear us say that, oh, listen, we thank God. He's a wonderful God. But also we're, we are to be a generation that not only informs our up-and-coming generation of past histories and present lessons, but also we ought to inform the up-and-coming generation of the future challenges. The future challenges, but with those challenges are opportunities. Let's not let our up-and-coming generation, those who follow in our footsteps, to walk into things blindly. Let's take the time to prepare them. Let's impart to them the things that we know and give them wisdom and give them knowledge and help them to be prepared to take the baton and go forth as a cornerstone Baptist church of the 21st century, strong and enabled by God and close to God. Listen, let's prepare them for the challenges that God has ahead of this book as he moves forward. That's what David did in verses beginning in verses 6 through 8. It says in verse 6, now he, said, now he said to me, It is your son Solomon who shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. Isn't that a great thing for God to say about one of your children? I'm going to adopt him. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? That's exactly what God says to every one of us who are parents and grandparents. Every time our precious child, sweet daughter or son, or, or granddaughter or grandson, prays to receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, do you understand? At that very moment, God, the Father, the Creator of the world, adopts them into His family. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And that's what David is recounting here in verse 7. He says, Moreover, I will establish His kingdom forever if He is steadfast to observe my commandments and my judgments as it is this day. Now, therefore, in the sight of all of Israel, the congregation of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, be careful to seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God, that you may possess this good land and leave it as an inheritance for your children after you forever. And as for you, my son Solomon, know that God, the God of your father, and Know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Then look at verse 11. Then David gave Solomon his sons the plans for the vestibule, its houses, its treasures, its upper chambers, its inner chambers, and the place of the mercy seat, and the plans for all that he had did, that he had by the spirit of by the spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord of all the chambers all around of the treasures of the house of God and of the treasuries for the dedicated place. Listen, David in essence took that Holy Spirit inspired blueprint and laid it all out before Solomon. And he could have been resentful. He could have been jealous. He could have just said, well, shoot, I didn't get to build it. Figure it out on your own. I'm not going to tell you anything. And he's pretty sorry with it. Instead, he told Solomon the things that he first of all needed to know. First of all, he said, son, you need to know the God of your father. First and foremost, before you make one more step forward, make sure that you know the God who has blessed me, the God who has blessed this nation, the God who has made promises to us as a people going all the way back to you. Great, 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 great Abraham. Tell him. And then, here's how he wants it done. Do it God's way. Follow the details that God has given here. 
And my pastors initiatives that I presented to the church Wednesday evening, I focused on some key objectives and directives that we as a church, I believe, must address in order to achieve a level of congregational health to ensure the stability and the viability of this church as we move forward into to the future, facing an increasingly hostile culture against Christianity. And I believe that we owe it to the generation that is on the heels of uh, following us, the generation that's coming up in this congregation. I believe we owe it to them to equip them to the very best of their ability to be a strong generation. Because it's only going to be the strong who will survive in this nation in the upcoming decades. I promise you that. The only churches that will be on the landscape that will be making a difference in the culture and not the culture making a difference in them, the only congregations that will be influencing this nation for morality instead of this nation influencing the church for immorality, the only churches, I believe, that will be the light of the world and the salt of the earth will be those congregations who follow in the footsteps of righteousness and biblical authority. And listen, we owe it to the generation following on our heels, not to let them walk blindly and, and, and ill-equipped to the future. We need to make sure that we do everything we can, and that's why we've developed. In addition to the initiatives, we also have the action plans that come out of our transformational church that are designed to help to make this church more intentionally biblical, to help this church to be strong. Listen, it's not about numbers, ladies and gentlemen. That's not how you measure church success. The success of the body of Christ is strong, Christ-like, spiritually mature, biblically literate members. That's what will make a difference in this culture. That's what will make a difference in this community. And we owe it to the generation behind us. We have a cornerstone vision that is yet to be fulfilled, but it's pointing us in the right direction. So we need to be known as a generation that informs the younger generation, informs the generation of the past victories, informs the coming generation of the present blessings, informs the, the current and, and up-and-coming generation of the challenges, and yet God-given opportunities. And also we need to be known as the generation that invests. And I'm not going to read through all the scripture, but I want you to begin in verse, looking there in chapter, uh, chapter 28. Look at verse 14. After David had given these instructions, because he gave gold by weight for those things, for gold for all articles and in every kind of service, also silver for all articles of silver by weight, for all articles used in every kind of service, the weight of the, for the lampstands of gold, their lamps, their lamps of gold, and it goes on. Down in verse uh, 17, it talks about more gold that David is given, and uh, pure gold. In verse 18, refined gold. It talks about silver. David was given precious metals. He made a heavy investment. He didn't simply charge his son Solomon and that younger generation to go and build a temple for God. He says, listen, I'm not only informing you, I'm investing in you. And if you go over to chapter 29, look at verse 3, you'll capture the heart of David's investment. And verse 3, he says, Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. David says, I'm not holding back. 
Because what it is, he said, well, you know what? I think I'm going to hoard all this gold and silver. After all, it really belongs to me. I think I'll just use this and buy more concubines and buy more slaves and buy more horses and, and buy more things that will give me pleasure. I'm just going to sit back and, and, and eat, drink, and be merry. I'll let Solomon worry about his own fundraising campaign. Oh, no. David loved the Lord too much. That's why he's called the man after God's own heart. David had a dream, he had a vision, and he was determined he was going to invest in that. And ladies and gentlemen, those of you who are a part of the senior generation, listen, let me tell you something. God is calling upon us to also not only impart godly wisdom to the up-and-coming generation, and that we should, but God is also calling us to impart God's gracious resources. Heaven forbid that you and I as a generation would, would be remembered as a self-indulgent generation. And you'd have to acknowledge, seniors, many of us are blessed. God has blessed us down through the years. He's blessed us with financial resources that provide for our needs today. But I'm going to tell you something. God has given us surplus too. And then heaven forbid that we would sit on top of money and, 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 and invest it in things just for our own pleasure and our own comfort and our own security, knowing that God is looking at us and saying, Listen, you have informed this generation. You have challenged this new generation with great opportunities and pleasures. And you mean to tell me you're going to hold back selfishly and greedily the resources that I've given to you that can ensure this country's stability in the future? It can ensure that the needs of the church will be met, not just met, but surpassed. And I want to encourage you this morning, seniors. Let me ask you. With your estate, with your own personal estate, intentionally conclude the kingdom work of God in this church. I know how they are. We like to take care of our kids and make sure our grandkids have something. And oh yeah, but I'm gonna tell you something. Kids are gone unless you just happen to have rare, exceptional kids. What you leave to them will be spent long before their time is over on earth. They melt like butter in a hot skillet. And they won't will the world be able to see that you were left behind. What impact will it make upon the, the kingdom of God for eternity? I challenge you. Go back and review your estate planning. You cannot, listen, I, I want to I wanna know, and, I, and Dan and I have taken intentional steps and we sat down with the person who developed our, our, our will. Not much, but what we have, but I'm going to tell you this. We made sure that long after Charlie Martin's gone and Dan Martin's gone, when Jesus carrying and he's coming, listen, while my body is in the grave or wherever it is, while my spirit is in heaven, let me tell you something. I'll continue to be supporting local missions through this church. I'll continue to be supporting North American missions across this nation. I'll continue to be supporting international missionaries. Some of them who haven't even been born. I praise God for that. And so should you. Heaven forbid that the generation that's following us and the one following them could speak of our generations. Oh, yeah, they had money. <laughs> they, had some, they had some good retirement packages and, 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 and CDs and all that. But they used it all on themselves. And here the church is struggling alone. Hey, listen, you want to make a good investment? 
I don't care who your investment planner is. You have a, 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 one of those skyscraper offices in on Wall Street, Fifth Avenue. I don't care who it is, but I'm going to tell you something. The best investment that a child of God can make is in the kingdom of God. It is the investment that will keep on doing and carrying on the great work of God. Can't be known as a generation that not only informed those coming behind us and challenged us, but we need to invest in them. And finally, we need to be the generation that inspires. And I believe that we are. I watch our seniors up here singing, playing, sharing poetry, skits. I watch them as they serve in missions in this church. I watch them as they participate in ministry in this church. I watch them as they roll up their sleeves and help keep this church clean and get out there and sweat as they keep the yards looking nice. Listen, anywhere we go as a church, I can guarantee you, you will find some seniors. And I'm sitting back in rocking chairs and said, well, you young folks go on and do that. Some of the first missionaries and leave from this church to go on international soil. In fact, I believe the majority of that group were seniors on. They led us in the charge of missions and international missions. And the first group we took for North American mission trip. All the way up to Detroit in a hot air conditioned van over the hills of West Virginia were seniors on. And I thank God for them. Because they inspired me as a, as a pastor just getting started in ministry, and now they continue to inspire me. And I want to be a part of that group that inspires the church. And, and that's what David realized was important in verse 20. And David said to his son Solomon, Be strong and of good courage, and do it. Do not fear, nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, my God, will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. This is what we ought to be saying to the younger people, the younger adults, the younger adults who are coming along behind us instead of picking at them and, and, and saying, well, you don't like the music we like, or you don't like it too loud, or you don't like this, and we, you're not like us. Listen, instead of criticizing them and picking out the things that are different about them, look for the things that are good and glorify God about them and reaffirm them. Say positive things to encourage them along the way. And listen, remind them, remind them that God is with them. God is for them. You don't know how a comment to a younger adult simply knowing that they're going through the, 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 the trials of life as they're trying to get their life going, their family started, their, their vocation, they're under a lot of stress and pressure. Listen, you don't know how much good it would be for you to pull one of them aside and just say to one of them that you're passing in the hallway and say, hey, listen, I want you to know I'm praying for you. I thank God for you. I'm glad that you and your generation are part of our church. And listen, you have my support. You have my encouragement. God will watch over you. He'll do it for me. He'll do it for you. Share your confidence in them. It's always confident. That's what David was speaking as he ended up in verse 21. This is what he told Solomon. He said, look, son. He says, all the divisions of the priests and the Levites, all the servants of the house of God, every willing craftsman will be with you for all manner of workmanship, for every kind of service, also the leaders, and all the people will be completely at your command. Solomon, I believe in you. You're my son. God has anointed you. God has called you. I am confident. Listen, everybody in the kingdom is at your disposal to do God's work. With your attitude, senior adults, towards those who are following us, are you that confident in them? Do they know that? 
Have you communicated that to them? Have you been a source of encouragement? Have you said over there and whisper under your breath all kinds of criticisms about them? And undermine anything that you may try to do to help the church. Oh, God help you. And I'm talking about us seniors. We need to be a, a gener- we, we want to be remembered as a generation that informs the up and coming generation. We want to be remembered as a, as a generation that invested our time, our energy, our resources in the up and coming generation. We want to be remembered as a generation that inspires a younger generation coming up behind us. So listen, we're running that race. And as every race is, there's a finish line. But you know that? This race goes on. This race goes on until Jesus comes. We, we must run as hard and as, and as energetically and as enthusiastically as we can see here. Don't, don't you dare get on the sidelines. Don't you ever think about sitting in a rocking chair and rocking when you can be serving God and, and serving you in the church. But let me tell you something. Listen to the footsteps behind you. Listen to the footsteps behind you. They're getting closer and they're getting louder. There's an energetic and an inspired generation that God is raising up to move Cornerstone into the 21st century. And let me tell you something. The baton of service and worship that you hold in your hands one day, and I'll, I'll praise God one day soon, you're going to pass that off. Pass it off with confidence. Pass it off with prayer. Pass it off with encouragement. That they'll take that baton and serving God and representing the gospel and move forward into the 21st century. The Jesus carrying is coming for decades to come. This church will be on this hill like a mighty beacon light, like a city on a hill, shining forth with the true light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we, the senior generation of this decade, would have had something to do with it. Now, isn't that what you want? That's what I want. Amen. Praise the Lord. So the challenge is to those generations. So our senior generation to do our part. And as I told you, I offer this challenge to the younger generation. You're younger than me, I'm talking to you. Help us. We need encouragement too. We like to know that we're being appreciated too. We need to care too. We have our own unique struggles and challenges and trials. Don't overlook it. And don't you sit back. Don't you lie back and say, oh, the things are out of They got it going on. No, no, no. You keep running. You run. You check up the. You be ready at that moment when God's ready to call us home. You be ready. Don't you be miles behind us. You be running right in step with old Charlie Martin and all the other seniors. You be running and you be ready to grab that baton and say, Come, Pastor Charlie, don't worry. I've got it. We're going to move on. Let me see you leaving me in the dust while I'm praising God and saying, Keep on running for Jesus. Keep on running for Jesus. Ask the church. I want to be a part so that's my mini sermon. I'll get you out by noon. Heavenly Father, I do thank you so much. When I'm a part of this great generation, I thank that you've raised up here at Cornerstone. I thank you for the ministry of our senior adults. I thank you so much. Sister Gwen Blacknell and Yes Wallace, Sister Polly, and all the ones working with her. But I pray you'll continue to inspire them and give them dreams as they continue to serve in this church. And Lord, I pray that for all of us as seniors, we'll be very mindful of the legacy that we leave behind. I ask, Lord, that you help us to be faithful. 
Faithful to the last beating of our heart, to the last breath we breathe. Lord, help us to be faithful to you. And to this church that you blessed us, to your part of. Lord, I want to echo, I want to just voice this prayer on behalf of our seniors. I believe I do, Lord. I believe they're in unison with me right now. Lord, we pray for the younger adults. This world is becoming increasingly hostile and difficult for true Bible-believing Christians to function in. Oh God, we pray for them. We love them and we're so proud of them, but God, we are going to come proud we won't be here. And we lift them up, Lord, prepare them even now. Raise up mighty, strong, God-fearing, Bible-believing men and women, young people. Lord, I pray that you would do that for us. So that we can continue to move forward the kingdom church for the glory of God. And we thank you, we praise you for all that you have done and all that you're doing and will do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.